Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. Good morning. It is Monday, October 30th, and this is Blake Wilson, Lifeline's Vice President of Operations. And we're going to jump into our study again this morning in 1 Corinthians. We're going to be in chapter 3 this morning. So if you have your Bibles, open those up. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we're going to hit verses 5 through 17 today. Um, The theme of of gardening and building continues to, to kind of thread through the pages of this chapter as well. We saw that start in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and here we are three chapters in, and we still see Paul talking to the church of Corinth about about gardening, about building. And these illustrations are pretty pretty steady throughout um, the New Testament and really throughout a lot of the the New Testament writers of, of what it looks like to see something grow um, what it looks like to see something built. And I think these illustrations were were relevant um, during this season because that is this is what so many people did. They were they were gardeners, they were growing, they were growing their own food. They were also building. Um, it was just a, a common illustration that we see Christ use as he was teaching. We see this illustration from the apostles as they were teaching. And we see it again today in first Corinthians chapter three of, of what it looks like to see, um, see something grow and see something, um, see something built. And, and in first Corinthians three, Paul circles back really to the very first few verses in, um, in chapter one of first Corinthians and, and dissecting more, about the uniqueness of of the disciples, of the followers of Christ, of those speaking on behalf of Jesus Christ, and looking at the unique giftedness of Apollos, of Peter and Paul, as they were teaching, because the church of Corinth had um, unintentionally become divisive. Uh, they were beginning to pledge allegiance to select teachers and really just feeling they could only listen to the teachings of one person instead of a, a collective um, view of who Jesus is and how one person may speak, may be favored, may show favoritism um, over another. So he starts, he starts verse five with a question and he says, what after all is Apollos and what is Paul? And he answers that by saying only servants only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned each a task. So he is again asking the question, who are these people? Who are these people that um, you have put into a leadership position who you are listening to, to invest in your spiritual growth? And he reminds them that they're just servants The Lord has given each of them a unique task, but at the end of the day, they are just servants and a vessel in which the Lord has used to draw people to him. 
And then he talks about the uniqueness of their gifts in the next few verses. He says in in verse six, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. So each one of these has a purpose. Each one has their own calling. Paul says he came to Corinth to be the seed planter. And then Apollos followed him, who is watering the seed. But it is God who makes them grow. Paul and Apollos are dependent upon each other. They're not competitors or rivals, but they're teammates, they're fellow co-workers with the gospel. They have complementary roles, and, and they're not. The, the, the church of Corinth, in a sense, had made them competitive. It wasn't their intention, but they had viewed them as, comp- as competitors. And I have to choose either A or B. And what Paul is telling them is we're both engaged in the same work, the same goal of making disciples. We are all followers of Jesus Christ. So we we can have unity, but there also is diversity in that. We're complementary ministries and we are both needed um, to further the gospel. So we have the same master. We're both engaged in the end goal. We're both brothers in Christ, but each of us, Paul and Apollos, have their own unique calling and they're making independent contributions to the overall task of making disciples. So he's reminding them of the uniqueness of which God has called them. And it is not a competition. They are to have unity as a church. And Paul and Apollos are working together to further the gospel and to invest in making disciples of the church of Corinth. So there are so many unique examples of how this shapes up, even within the context of Lifeline and all of the pieces that it takes us as a ministry to operate. It takes people on the backside you know, to, to keep operations open. So all of our, our IT and compliance and human resources, building management, all of those facets of behind the scenes work are needed for a ministry to stay open. We have to have operational stability in order to operate. So those people play an important role at Lifeline. But so does the marketing team, because just as the the operations team is all behind the scenes, the marketing team is is on the billboard, right? They're out in the front. They are on social media. They're on the web. They are on print material. They are on T-shirts. They are on signage. They are in front of banquets, like whatever it is, they are the face. So we have to have the marketing team at Lifeline in order to publicize who we are, in order to market, to gain traction, to make raise awareness, right? We have to have people in our states because face-to-face ministry is crucial in what we do. We are discipleship focused as a ministry. We have to have people on the ground to get in front of these clients. So our state directors, our state team, our social workers, pregnancy counselors, global orphan care, those people that are on the ground serving clients face-to-face in face-to-face ministry. We have to have active ministry happening. And this is where that team comes in. We want to have our local churches to support our clients. 
So we have a church partnerships team who is equipping the church, supporting the church with tools and resources so that they can wrap around these clients. Because we know as Lifeline, we're not the answer. The gospel is the answer. The church is the answer. We want the church to support these clients. So we have to have a church partnerships team. We have to have counseling and education to train and tutor these clients who need additional care. We have to have um, an advancement team to go offset ministry expenses. We have to have money raised in order to continue efforts. We have to have a finance team on the back end of that, right? To count the money, to keep things in track, to budget, to keep us keep cash flow um, moving. Everybody plays a unique role. And when you look at a ministry the size of Lifeline, holistically, um, we're broad. There are people doing unique tasks, but everything is working together for the good of the gospel. Verse 9 you see Paul make a shift in his, his illustrations. And he says, for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field and God's building. You see him transition here from the analogy of, of, of farming and gardening to that of construction. And construction and building and cornerstones and foundations are throughout Paul's writing. He uses this quite often as he is speaking, as he is teaching. And he says this in Ephesians. Chapter 2, verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. You are God's household, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. He is reminding them that God, again, is the foundation that he is being built upon. And it is Jesus Christ himself who is the cornerstone. How easy is it for us to get sidetracked on this, to get wrapped up in um, maybe who we feel is most important Guys, Jesus Christ is the foundation. He is the cornerstone. He, he circles back even in verse 10 of our, of our study today. He says, these are words of Paul, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. The foundation is Jesus. Paul is, is, a, is laying that foundation he is telling them about who Jesus is. He is building this church with a stability of Jesus Christ and others are building on it. Apollos is building on it. Peter is building on it. We are all um, given a task and we are all to build with care. My father is um, was a pastor for um, over 30 years. And many of those years as he was pastoring, he was also um, a bivocational pastor, and he kind of had some side side income. Um, one of those was a construction company that he started. Um, and in one season, he was building a home, and I was I was helping him. And the uh, um, the foundation, the footings had been poured, the block had been laid, and and the um, dirt was being backfilled into. Um, the garage so the concrete and the driveway could be poured. And in that, in that season of backfilling or in the day of the, the 
garage um, foundation being laid and the blocks being being built upon that. Um, a backhoe was actually putting dirt on the backside of that wall. And in that, he bumped the the cinder block foundation with the bucket of the backhoe and it cracked the foundation all the way down. Um, and I remember my dad becoming extremely uh, frustrated in that moment. Now for me, not a lot of building experience. It didn't hit me the way that it hit my dad. But my dad was extremely angry because he knew that if that foundation was cracked, that everything else it was going to impact everything else. And he was correct. Over time, um, that back wall began to give out, even though it was reinforced with concrete and rebar and everything else, that wall began to give way. And over the course of five years, the garage began to settle. It began to crack to the point of two or three inches. And the whole thing, the back wall had to be rebuilt to be reinforced because the foundation was cracked. My dad knew as a builder that if the foundation wasn't solid, everything else was going to suffer. And he was correct. The whole house being built on top of that cracked foundation began to be impacted. This is what Paul is reminding the church of Corinth. He's saying, no one can lay, this is verse 11, no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. It's not me, Paul. It's not Paulus. It's not Peter. The foundation has been laid, church, and it is on Jesus. If anyone builds on the foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring to light and it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If that has been built, if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Paul's reminding the church that it's not him, it's not Apollos, it's not Peter. It is Jesus as the foundation. Peter even emphasizes this again um, in 1 Peter chapter 2. I think it's in verse 4. He says, um, in coming to him, coming to him, Jesus, as a living Stone rejected by men, but choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, as we are being built and shaped into who the Lord wants us to become. But Jesus is the living stone. He is the cornerstone. Paul, Paul even alludes to this in the uniqueness of these gifts. Um, that are being built upon that foundation. Because if you see, some are going to build with gold, some are going to build with silver, some costly stones, wood, hay, strong, you name it, right? There are going to be unique things, building materials that are laid upon that foundation. But he is reminding them to build it with care. Whatever you're doing, whatever the gift the Lord has, been, has given you, you have to build with care. He has given us all unique gifts and ability. And this is what Paul says in Ephesians 4. He gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain unity in the faith 
and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. We are all being molded and shaped into who the Lord wants us to become, and that is done through your unique gifting and your unique calling. But Jesus has to be the foundation. Our our skills and our investment and everything that we are doing and to pour um, and build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ will be brought to light. We have to be intentional in what we're doing and how we're building and do it to the best of our abilities and using those gifts to not lose sight of the big picture. Wrapping up, it says in verse 16 and 17, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person for God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. Paul starts it off with a question again, don't you know? Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? He's reminding the church that they are the temple. Now, Paul does, and and I think it's in chapter six, and we're going to get there in a few weeks. He talks about um, as an independent believer, like as a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and that God is dwelling in you. In this context, he is speaking to the church as a whole. You yourselves are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in your midst. Now, not talking about the church building, we're talking about the collection of believers um, of, of these people united in the church of Corinth. And he is saying that they are the temple of the Lord. They have to, they have to be wise in what they are, what they are doing. Um, he's, he's poses the question like they had forgotten, right? They, they'd gotten so sidetracked. You, you are, you're God's temple. God's spirit is dwelling here. So let's keep focused on what the Lord has called us to do. Um, so here he speaks of the whole church as God's dwelling through the spirit. So we, we are, we're not the temple, um, but we are a temple a place where God dwells because God dwells there and the temple is holy. We have to remain holy. So God is dwelling in us. So let's stay focused on what he has called us to do. God has is dwelling in us independently as an independent temple. God is also dwelling in us as a church collectively and working in and through us. And let's make sure that he remains the foundation. Let's not put our hope in man. Let's not put our hope um, in preferences and people that, that we may be drawn to, but let's put our hope in Jesus Christ. And remember, he is our foundation. He has gifted us all with unique abilities. And whatever that is, whether you're building with sand, whether you're building with straw, that can be that can be building with, with gold or precious stones, whatever it is, whatever the Lord has gifted you with and blessed you with. Work with detail, work with precision, and do everything to the best of your ability um, because you are building on the foundation of Jesus Christ. He has gifted us all in unique ways. Let's use those gifts this week to glorify him and all that we do. Um, we're going to close out our time today praying for um, the country of Ukraine, um, praying specifically for um, our team, 
that is that is serving um, those families there in Ukraine. Let's pray. Let's pray for the children. Um, I know that it's it's easy to lose sight of things or maybe just become numb to them the more you hear them. Um, but with the war in Ukraine going on for so long, let's just continue to pray for these children that have been lost, separated from their families, and that the Lord will work in and through them. And then um, let's just pray for the, the country and the people there for protection and guidance. Um, and the Lord can bring peace to this country during this during this time. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. We thank you for your word. God, and we thank you for um, people like Paul, who you have worked through um, to write so much of the New Testament um, and transformed in a way uh, that we can see your hand uh, at work. God, help us to evaluate our own hearts and Lord, help us to put our hope and trust in you and build upon your foundation. God, I pray specifically today for the country of Ukraine and Lord, for the people there. I pray for protection and guidance for them. I pray that you'll send peace to these people, God, that they will draw closer to you and trust in your promises, God. Um, Lord, this time is, is full of pain and uncertainty, um, and Lord, tomorrow is unknown. So God, I just pray uh, that you will shine brightly, God, that your, your hope will penetrate the darkness, and Lord, these people will be drawn closer to you. God, I pray for these children um, that, uh, Lord, you can just move a mountain. And Lord, make a way for these children of Ukraine to be united with their biological families or maybe through adoption um, through their forever families. God, I pray that you would protect them both physically and emotionally. God, I pray that the Lord would, God, that you would make um, yourself known to the hearts of these kids. And Lord, for our team here on the ground, Lord, encourage them. God, I pray for our staff as they are talking to these families, as they are talking to the central authority of Ukraine in the midst of a war. Um, I just pray that things will come together, Lord, that you will be our guide and Lord that um, you, we would continue trusting you and your timing in all things. So father, we trust you, love you and know you are at work. And we ask all these things in your name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate and review the Defender Bible study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.